So on my darkest day, the day that I really did feel that the Lord wasn't there, that there was nobody there, I went out into our backyard and we have kind of a ravine back there. Mm -hmm. I was crying to God and I was saying, you know, I need to get a sign from you that you're going to get me through this. And I stood out there, Matt, for maybe half an hour and there was nothing. I mean, nothing. What did God say back to you? You are standing on solid ground and I've been holding you this whole time and I will continue to hold you and I will carry you and you will not falter and you are not on shaky ground and you are on the rock. Welcome to another week of Level Up. I'm Matt Rogers. Thank you so much for joining us, whether it's on Apple Podcast or whether it's on Spotify or YouTube. Please make sure that you like, you subscribe, you share. That's how we get this thing out. The thing I love most about Level Up is our guests, and when they share their stories, it really helps people go from good to great, go from better to bestest, whatever. You're going to want to share this because... Today's guest, I'm always so proud of our guest, Eli. As always, joining me, my main man, Co-EP, Engineer Eli Adelman. Yes, sir. How, How are you feeling today? Man, I'm so good today. You are? Why are you good? Great, it's just a great day. It's beautiful out. We've got great guests. We've got, you're here. I'm here. We're I'm healthy. here. You're here. That's, we do have a great guest today, and she's going to make us look way better. Well, I mean, she actually look at us. I mean, look at us. Seriously. <laughs> look at her. <laughs> she, she's got her work cut out for her, so... The one and only, the beauty expert. She is beautiful both inside and out. Miss Kim Douglas. I met Kim about six years ago on the Home and Family show. I knew of her before I started filming on Hallmark's Home and Family. I knew of her, but I met her and started working with her about six years ago. Um, she loves to share her passion about all things beauty She's a cancer survivor. She's a mom. She's an unbelievable wife. And she's just a good person and a great friend. And again, beautiful both inside and out. The one and only Kim Douglas is here. Matthew, you are awesome. Level up, Eli. This is amazing. I'm in Nashville and I'm talking to two of my favorite guys. What could be better? You're in Nashville, but you're dressed so L.A. Thank you. you. I know, right? I had. To- what do you got rocking? You're hey, you're all things beauty. Tell us what you got going on right now. Um, well, I woke up a little bit late. I'll be honest with you. Um, I did all of my um, hair stuff is paraben free, Matt, and sulfate free. How's your hair looking, Matt? Well, you know, I'm glad you asked. It is strong. It's also paraben free and sulfate free. Matt, there's just something about a bald man. There just is. You just couldn't be any better. I mean it. Something about a bald man. You just want to tell him to put his hat back on. (laughs) No, you look great. I said it's oxen free. It's sulfate free. And Eli goes, it's hair free. (laughs) So true. It's all good. Put it back on. I'm repping the TriStar, though, Kim. I've really embraced Tennessee. Look at me. I got my TriStar flag. Thank you. Oh, I wish I was there, man. I really do. I left you five years ago. Can't believe it. I left you, and I came to Nashville, and I have not regretted a second of being here. You know, Do you miss me? 
you know, when we did our little pre-talk about coming on your show, I did ask you that. And you said it was the best move I ever made. So isn't that great in life? When you make, when you make that jump, you actually jump and do something that's a little, a lot scary. And then you look back and you can do that five years later and say, it's the best thing I ever did. hundred percent. And it's funny because when we were talking about leaving and coming here, I mean, Dude, we had the show. We had, you know, home and family. I had a uh, thing on Discovery Channel. I had my normal nine to five job, which is payroll, Heartland payroll, which I love. But I had all these things. And I told my wife, like we were talking about, like, well, what if we go there and it's a mistake and we screw up and we want to come back? And I said, I go, going there and failing and coming back doesn't scare me as much as waking up 10 years from now, still in Corona, California, wishing I would have taken a shot. Wow. That's so good, Matt. I'm glad I took that's a shot. Kim. So good. It's all about not regretting, right? Looking back right? in the years ahead and not regretting. You're right. Well, what about you? I mean, no regrets. Take us back to the beginning. I mean, well, you and I have done so many fun stuff together on Home and Family. We filmed with Dolly Parton. We went to Dollywood together. You had me on all your segments. I think you actually extended my career on Home and Family because oh, when the more stuff I did with Kim, the more relevant I became and funnier I was on the show. So it was like, oh, can I can I get in one of Kim's segments today? And <laughs> she would like think of things like, well, what can I really do with you, Matt? Because I you know, she would help me. So, oh, we talk, did okay. great ones. We did like the um, what are they called? The parties that you do in the back of your uh, your truck after uh, tailgate. Tailgate. We did tailgate yeah. parties, and we did so many great things together. And you taught me football and all that good stuff. Every time I would pitch ideas to like Woody or Stacy, they'd be like, "Yeah, that sounds good. Let's get with Kim and see <laughs> if Kim could be in the segment too." <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. So I love she it. She helped me. All right, so let's go back to the beginning. Like, were you always destined for Hollywood? I mean, you are the Hollywood beauty expert. You are on the Home and Family. You're on Ellen. You're on, you know, you're just starting to do stuff with Kelly Clarkson on her show that's blowing up. Yeah. Is this where, like, is this what you always saw yourself doing? Like, how did you start? Um, you know, I think, I think I did always see myself doing this, Matt. Um, if you, if I give you the background in a nutshell, um, you know, uh, an only child from Detroit, Michigan, uh, parents were immigrants that came over from Scotland with no money. My dad was a carpenter, my mom, a homemaker. We lived in a small little house in Detroit. So probably my odds of, of being, you know, in Hollywood and doing what I do were pretty much slim to none. But, you know, I just really do feel like what we started talking about in this conversation is when God puts in your heart something like, Matt, you need to move your family to Nashville and I'm going to open mm -hmm. up some doors there for you. You just have to follow it. And I, from about 12 years old, felt something in my heart that was like, I'm not supposed to stay here. I am supposed to move forward and do some other things. And, you know, most likely they're going to be in, in front of the public. And right. um, I always loved you know, performing and talking and all of that. Um, so yeah, I think it always was in my heart and I always knew that that was going to happen. How I was going to get there was a whole other story, but um, I knew did it was, you, was going to happen. What, did your parents bring you up loving God? Like, are you, are you Catholic? Are you Christian? Like, what did you grow up and what are you now? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. So, um, you know, out here in Hollywood, um, you really don't get much of a chance to talk about your faith. 
Um, right. They want to know everything else about you, your measurements, your height, your weight, um, you know, all of Let's that. Let's talk about those too, Kim. Yeah, what are you? Exactly. I figured that that's coming up. <laughs> um, but what's so refreshing about you is that you do want to go a little bit deeper when you meet people and you always do ask them some of those questions that just take you back a little bit like, oh, no one's really asked me about my faith. So um, my dad, uh, his mother was one of the first preachers, female preachers in Scotland in the history of Scotland. And um, her name was Betsy Barton or Elizabeth Barton Bankier when she married my grandfather. And um, she was a minister way back. I guess it would have been like in the 20s. And, really? um, and, and that I, was not welcome back then. No. And especially women. I mean, oh my gosh. So, um, you know, I really feel Matt, and this sounds really strange, but I feel like our grandparents and our ancestors, the mm-hmm. prayers that they prayed for us, I feel that they truly are upon us and our children. And I oh, think yeah. my grandmother's prayers who I only met Oh, I think two times in my life, she passed away when I was very young and she lived in Scotland and we lived in Michigan and we didn't have a lot of money to go back and forth to see each other. So I feel like the prayers of my grandmother really did help me on the path that I'm on. I was raised a Christian. I was literally born in church. I was born on a, you know, Monday and I was in church that Sunday and I never missed a Sunday. Um, until I went to college. Um, My dad was a Sunday school teacher and an usher and a deacon in the church. So I was raised there. And, you know, with all the negativity that we sometimes hear about, oh, you know, the church and the this and the that, it all causes wars and it causes, look at the bad and look at those ministers and look at the priests. And, you know, Matt, truly, I feel that the foundation that my faith gave me is the only thing. And I really mean that it's the only thing that's gotten me through my journey in Hollywood, my, uh, my path to get to where I am. So truly between, um, going through stage three B breast cancer, between going through infertility, um, climbing my way up the ladder in Hollywood and having a 37 year marriage out here. The only thing, the only thing that got me through all of that, Matt truly was that foundation of faith and my belief in God. And otherwise I would have totally sunk. I would have. Why? Because people say that all the time. Why would you have sunk? What did God do for you? What did your faith do for you? Well, I felt his presence through the worst of times when I was in the worst situation that you could possibly think of. um, I would feel his presence and he would be next to me. And I would feel that I wasn't alone. I wasn't alone and that he was going to carry me through. And I banked on his promises. I banked on them. I believed them with all my heart. And when you have that strong sense of belief that the Lord is there, he's going to carry you through, he's going to bring you through this journey and that it's really going to be rough. And he doesn't promise you that, you know, being a Christian, having faith in him, that you're going to have this smooth sailing, but he does promise to give us comfort and he is our comforter. And then when he gives us comfort and he gets us through them, we're able to comfort others and get them through the things that they're going through. Do you, so take me back. How do you, how do you go from Michigan to Hollywood? What was that big break for you? Was it Did someone see you on something else and say you need to come to Hollywood or like, how did you get there? Yeah, someone saw me all right, but um, 
I don't know if it was the right way. Um, I, <laughs> um, I did. I was anchoring the six and 11 o'clock news at 21 yeah. years old. I just graduated Oral Roberts University in Tulsa. Yeah, Oklahoma. baby. Hello. Preach it, sister. And um, anyway, I was doing the news and um, Jerry Douglas from the young and the restless was on, I was on a CBS affiliate. He was on a CBS show and he came through on a press junket on his way to Canada. We were a really, really small station. I was like at the bottom of the barrel. And um, my news director asked me to interview him. I interviewed him and he saw me and I saw him. And yeah. um, that was kind of the end of my path no that I was going to go from uh, Marquette, Michigan, to maybe Lansing, to then Milwaukee, and then maybe um, Chicago and end up hopefully in New York or LA. So I kind of took this, you know, this path that I was going to be doing and I went boom, right from Marquette to LA. So uh, like, do you do the interview and like afterwards, like he's flirting with you and then he asks you out? Is he like, hey, yeah, he asked me out to dinner and I said, um, I wanted to bring my, my co-anchor who was a, a female that was my best friend. And um, we all went out to dinner and his publicist was there and his producer, blah, blah. And it, there was like six of us. And we went out to dinner and he left the next morning for his press junket. And I went back to work and we, he start, I um, came in one day later and there were 300 long stemmed red roses in the newsroom. Let's go. That's game right there. Whatever, Jerry Douglas. Whatever. Dude, that's strong. That's such I a mean, strong move. On. It, it was pretty flattering. You're right. I mean, the for guy, sure. He's on a soap opera. He should know how to romance somebody. Right. right? I mean, come on. So did you like that first night? Did you kiss him or was it just like nothing? Like, yeah, went to yeah the, like, we kissed and we flirted and we held hands and we, you know, there was definitely a connection. There was right. definitely a connection. So you, so did you think like this could be the guy or I like him? I want to see him again. Like, how do you end up in LA? Does he say, come marry me? Let's elope. Like, yeah, what right. Oh, that's such a good story. Um, so, okay. He, uh, so I, I didn't tell you this one part, but I was dating the sports anchor. Mm -hmm. so, sucks to be him <laughs> you just ran into jerry douglas boy <laughs> so um here here's the story about life and about love matt so this sports anchor who I'll, I'll you know respect his privacy i'm sure he has a happy wonderful life now and he's far far forgotten about me but this sports anchor he, was follow, he follows you on instagram for oh sure. shut up you're so funny <laughs> so he was my exact age he was very religious. He had never been married before. He had no kids. He wanted, he had the same career goals as I did. Um, everything on paper would have been perfect for me to be with him and end up with him. Everything on paper with Jerry was completely wrong. Um, 20 year age difference. He had been divorced for 13 years. When I met him, he had full custody of his two kids. He was on a soap opera in Hollywood. Are you kidding me? This is like, you know, the why'd you do it? Like, honestly, like, did the Lord lead you here or no, what, like, so, okay. It, again, making it short for you. So he left and I stayed and then, uh, he started calling me and writing me 
And it was almost like we were dating in the 50s because he's under contract in LA. I'm under contract. You know, the joke goes, we tell this all the time. The joke goes, I'm covering murders, rapes, and fires, which aren't funny. And he's doing like love scenes with, you know, models and uh, running a, a, a fake Revlon company and jumping in and out of bed with people. So, I mean, our odds of ever getting together, again, slim to none, Matt, come on. So um, he's writing me and he's calling me and we're talking on the phone every night. It's like, how did your day go? Oh, I covered a fire and burned down eight houses and, you know, all the the woods are burned and the animals are hurt. And I'm like, how was your day? And he's like, oh, I, you know, was in in bed with Sally and she's a really nice girl and blah, blah. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So anyway, we dated through the phone. And yeah. through letters, which was really wonderful because we really got to know each other. And I wasn't in that Hollywood world with him. I just was knowing Jerry Douglas, not were John. You still, were yeah. you still dating sports cast boy? Um, it was Mike it was starting to deteriorate rapidly because right. I would rather be on the phone with Jerry than be out you know, at a club with you. Would you, would you watch Jerry on soap operas? Yes. Here's the other thing really quickly. Um, Jerry show the young and the restless came on at 12 noon. And I know, you know, this Matt, but maybe the audience is not as uh, familiar with it, but back in the day, they would have news cut-ins like right before, like prices right would end. And before um, young and restless would come on, they'd have a news cut in. Hi, I'm Kim Douglas. I'm Kim Bankier. And I just wanted to tell you uh, coming up at six, we have blah, 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 you know, to keep people wanting to come back to watch the news. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Teasers. Yeah. So um, every day I would be situated in the newsroom at 1130 reading my uh, script of what's coming up at six o'clock that you want to tune in. And I'm watching on the screen the young and the restless because it's ready to come on. So I would be watching him every single solitary day right before I do my cut ins. So it was really funny. And I grew up watching the young and the restless. I, I truly did. Did it ever bother you? Cause like the one, the one thing I could never like, cause I had my shot after American Idol to start doing acting stuff and I could never do it because I wouldn't kiss another woman. Like, did it ever bother you? Or is it just like, Oh, it's acting. Like when you, when you saw him like kissing Raquel Welch or whatever, like, did it bug you or you didn't care? Yeah. Um, you know what? The good thing was, is by the time we got serious with each other, he had moved into a more patriarchal, the father. He wasn't the hot young, you know, stud on Young and Restless. So he um, ended up being the father whose wife had left him. And he was the father of the three kids, the Abbott family. So he wasn't in too many romances. So they were few and far between. And when they were, I already knew the girl or the woman and she was happily married, you know, so it never, I don't know, it never really bothered me, but he never was, you know, in a major love scene. And you were always better looking than all of them. Oh, Matt, stop, come on. (laughs) (laughs) okay so you i say i love you i'm coming out there we're getting married and then you stay um, there so we uh revving up uh we talked on the phone we talked on the phone he said i want to see you again i said i want to see you we met in uh detroit i went to go see my mom and dad he flew in he met my mom and dad we um had a weekend together. It was wonderful. We, you know, I stayed at my mom and dad's. He was in a hotel. We had a great time. He took my parents out to dinner. And that's when we kind of knew there was something really intense. I had broken up wow. consequently with the sports anchor who wasn't happy. Um, 
we would be on TV together and it would be like, so now to you, Mark. And he would be like, thanks, Kim. <laughs> you know, and this is all on camera. Yeah. Only in Marquette it's could this go so on. Anyway, great. so um, we broke up. He knew I was with this, you know, older soap star from Hollywood. And everyone's like, yeah, that's going to work out. So uh, after that, my contract was coming up. And um, Jerry uh, said to me, why don't I fly you out to uh, Los Angeles and let's spend some time together and let's, you know, see each other. And um, a girlfriend from Oral Roberts University had called me in the meantime and said, I'm going to LA for a month. I want to try to get into singing or something. Why don't you come with me? Because we had been talking and I told her my contract was up and I didn't know whether I wanted to continue on um, in Marquette or move to another market. So she said, come out to LA with me. And I did. And I never left. There you go. So came out with a friend, dated Jerry. Did you guys, so when you got married, did you have kids right away? You said in the beginning, infertility issues. What, yeah. what is that all about? What happened? So we were, Jerry, the 13 seems to be a big number in my life. I'm just realizing that. I was born on July 13th. Jerry was divorced 13 years when I met him. And we were married 13 years when we finally had our only child, Hunter. And you've been um, trying for 13 years? What, honey? Had you been trying for 13 years to have no, a baby? No, no. Um, in all honesty, the first uh, five or six years, I was very career driven, Matt. And, you know, right. Jerry had just kind of finished raising his two. They were off to college uh, almost when I got there. And so he was like, oh, wow, you know, this is great. I, I'm now done with my, you know, uh, daily childhood duties. And I was very career driven. So we really weren't in the space of, uh, wanting to have a, a child very early. But once it hit me, uh, when I hit 30, it was like, wow, a light switch went on. And I was like, career what? I want a baby. So your son Hunter was definitely planned and prayed for. He's not a noops baby. No, he's not. He is uh, such a great blessing, Matt. And um, he just, you know, he's truly our gift and we just love him so much. He's got a tender heart and a kind spirit and um, he's just the light of our life. How, why was it difficult for you all to have a baby? You said you went through infertility issues. Yeah, I, I, we weren't really sure whether it was Jerry or me, but we both had some things that we needed to, you know, get on uh, some fertility drugs and, mm -hmm. and do some little procedures here and there. But after, after about, I think it was five tries, then we, um, in, uh, in vitro, we got Hunter. What's that like, like a woman to have that? Cause you, you know, you see your husband who already has two kids. So you're probably automatically thinking, well, it's my fault. Yeah. Not his, like that weighs a lot on you. Doesn't it? Like, uh -oh. did you have cryless, you know, cry nights, sleepless oh, nights type oh my thing? Gosh. I went through and I'm, I'm like you, Matt, I'm really not a depressed person. It takes a really lot to get me down, but I would go into such dark places each month when I do the pregnancy test and it would be, nope, you're not pregnant. Um, Jerry had to literally pick me up from the ground and say, let's keep trying. We can do this, but it's just devastating. You know, you really do. You, you feel so much like you are a failure. You feel like, you know, God is cursing you. You the, everywhere you look, all your friends are getting pregnant every time they look at their husband. I mean, it just, it's mother's day was, Oh, it was like oh. heart wrenching. 
And now Mother's Day is your probably favorite day in the world, right? It sure is. It sure is. Hunter and I, every Mother's Day, take a walk at a public um, park out here that you may remember and people may have heard of called uh, Tree People. And it's just like a, a forest that anybody for free can walk in and, and we just go for long walks every Mother's Day after church. What do you love about Hunter? The Bible says your gift will make room for you and bring you in front of great people. What's Hunter's gifts? What, what is he great at? What do you love about him? So what I love about Hunter is um, Jerry and I are both very, um, you know, we're like you, we, we perform, we're the dog and pony show. And <laughs> right. um, literally at, at the drop of a hat, we can, Hunter is completely his own person. He doesn't ever feel like he has to perform in order to be a value or to get anyone's approval. Um, he is just truly himself. He's a very, very steady person. And, um, what I truly love is, you know, every family and we have got, you know, the step, the, the half brother and sister for me, the stepkids, the ex-wife, the parents that, you know, were overprotective of my parents and all kinds of things that go on. And so whenever something comes up in the family, you know, Jerry and I are a little bit like, well, why is that? I can't believe that. Happened. Do you believe that? Oh my gosh. And they didn't do, oh, and Hunter's like, you guys. So you know what? Let's just look at it. Look, and he just brings it all in. And he's the kid, Matt. He's That's the kid. Awesome. And he just is able to look at any situation and center himself, see both sides and be like as wise as Solomon. You know, he just has a wisdom about him. And I truly believe that's from the Lord. He really does. I mean, I've been around Hunter so many times and he's just, he's a cool kid, but he's so centered. Like he's so sure of himself, but not cocky. Yes. Quiet, confident. Like he's just very comfortable. Yeah. He's comfortable to be around. And I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure he's got a girlfriend. Sorry, girls, but he's probably one of the best looking dudes on the planet. Oh, you're so sweet. <laughs> he's got you and Jerry. But I mean, you guys grew up like, what's that like in, in Hollywood? Because I mean, you're friends with Chris Jenner, formerly Chris Kardashian. You know, all the Kardashians, like you, you're friends. And like, what's that life like? And how did you and Jerry stay so grounded in a in a world that's so not grounded? That is a really good question. Um, I'll tell you a little story about one of the families that we know. So one family, I was in this Beverly Hills baby group and it kind of is like the real housewives of Beverly Hills on steroids. And um, I didn't know, but actually it was a first round of home and family where I met a girl named Candace Garvey and she was on home and family. And she kind of helped me um, get introduced to this uh, level of all these women that were my age and were all pregnant at the same time. So Chris Jenner was there and uh, Larry King's wife and Vanna White. And, you know, wow. I could just go on with all these names and they're all wonderful, lovely women that are still my friends to this day. But one of the moms who I did not mention, who isn't famous, but her husband is very, 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 very wealthy. Um, they ha had a beautiful house in Beverly Hills and he was, and they were one of the only families that had a little boy. All the girls in this group, all the women had little girls. So Hunter and this little boy became very good friends. 
And um, we drove him over one day to the house for a play date and never was the mom or dad around. It was always, we'd drop him off with three or four nannies. I would drop him off and the three or four nannies would come and get Hunter and then the little boy would be there. And I've always felt he was in a safe place and he was with a lot of eyeballs and everything was good. So he came home one day and he said, mom um, and dad, we were at dinner, having dinner. And he said, mom and dad, um, why don't we have a helicopter pad like so-and-so does a helicopter pad? And he was hashtag things. Your kids, my kids have never asked me. Right. I mean, you know, I I got to step my game up. So that's when we knew we had to like kind of do something to get things a little bit more normal here. So we did, and we sought out uh, families of all different, uh, life experiences and ways of life. And um, we made sure that Hunter had a lot of that. And I think truly that when we moved him out of Brentwood and we moved to a very small town, um, much like where you went in Tennessee, um, we went out to Westlake Village and we got him into Oaks Christian School. And I will tell you, I think that gave him, again, that foundation that we keep going back to. I think it gave him, there were kids there that were scholarship kids that had nothing, zero, literally no shoes to wear. And then there were kids that, you know, would literally get flown into school every day in a helicopter or a Rolls Royce by their chauffeur. So I think having that balance, and and I'll tell you something else, Matt. I know in our climate today, and we won't get into politics, but I know in our climate today, it's a lot about, you know, uh, privilege. And if you have things, you're bad and, or, or things like that. Right. But here's what I feel about that. Hunter is as comfortable in the world of privilege as he is in the world of not being able to afford a pair of shoes. And right. those kids are as close to him as the kids that get flown in in the helicopter. And when he goes to their house. I'm in, I'm in, hey, I'm in the shower. I'm, so I'm in the shower. Forgive I'm me. in the shower. Just tell him I'm in the shower. <laughs> Matt, how do I get out of that? Oh, are you back? You sound, oh, there you are. Yeah, you and sound fine. Hunter is as comfortable with the kids that have no shoes and he goes to their house for dinner and he comes home and he says, mom, what a great family so-and-so has and what a great time I had there. And I think that's so important, Matt, that we are able to, um, to be ourselves and to connect with people in all walks of life, because there is always going to be people that have more than us. And there's always going to be people that have less than us. And if you can navigate and be in both of those worlds and feel equally comfortable and happy, I think that's one of the keys to a successful life. That's a great, great key to a successful life. Tell me about a successful marriage because you and Jerry have been married for 38 years now. Did you ever th- have a moment or think, I don't know if we're going to make it? Did you yeah. ever have that moment? We are hanging on by a thread. We're literally <laughs> hanging on by a thread. It's so such a no daily. Um, <laughs> and I will tell you something. I would say that with Jerry in the room, and I'm sure he's going to creep in here in about five minutes. Um, here's the situation. Humor. And I know you and Terry, the beautiful Terry, have that in your relationship. She hates because me. I watch your Instagram stories and I see Terry rolling her eyes half the time. And that's Jerry, or that's me with Jerry. I think humor is so important in a marriage and not taking yourself so seriously. 
We have our ups and downs. We have more differences than Carter's has liver pills. I mean, we just, you know, there are rollout drag out fights constantly, but that's because he's a really strong man and I'm a really strong woman and we both have strong points of view and we both care passionately about each other. And you know, I worry about um, couples that say to me, you know, we've been married 35 years and we've never had a disagreement. Never had a, a crossword with myself and Bob. I'm like, really? <laughs> then you must not have much of an opinion or Bob doesn't have much of an opinion because if you never have a crossword, so, right. you know, listen, we have our ups and downs 37 years. Um, it's been a beautiful love story. It's taught me so much about life. And there's been so many times that I've been like, oh my gosh, I'm ready to throw in the towel. But um, I don't, I stay. But you and didn't, you stuck it out. Equally as many times. And that's well, and then, work. And that's the thing too, is like when people see you and the thing that I love a lot about you, like me is you and I can air out all of the messes in our life if we want to, but we choose not to edify the struggles and this and that. Like, dude, the banner of my life is not that my kids were born with this genetic disease or that I'm I'm struggling right now. Like we choose we choose to put the positivity out there. The the setback of that is people judge us based off of only what they see. It's like, oh well, Kim's got everything figured out. And oh, it must be nice to be in Hollywood and so perfect and this and that. But the truth is, you don't have your ducks in a row, and neither do I. We but we're real and we go through it. And you've been through it. I mean, three years ago, you got the worst news that a woman can pretty much get. Tell me what happened and how you got through that. So um, it was in the middle of my stint on Home and Family. I was juggling Ellen's show, Home and Family, um, two other shows that I was sprinkling in. And... um, you know, just had a lot of stuff going, everything going really, really great. Hunter was in college. Um, Jerry had retired from Young and Restless and was now working in investments with investment properties. And life was pretty darn good, Matt. It really was. Mm -hmm. And I had been eating right, working out, keeping myself fit, doing all the things that you're supposed to do to a degree. And um, went on a walk with my dear friend who had uh, had breast cancer eight years earlier. And I had just gone in for my mammogram, which I waited three years to do because I was so busy at home and family. I couldn't find a minute to go get my mammogram. And they called me and said, we found something. And that is truly, that was almost worse than when they said it was cancer. Because when you hear they found something you know, your whole world, you know, at that moment, your world is never going to be the same. So um, that was um, April, uh, almost three years ago. And um, I went in yesterday, as I told you in our little pre-interview with my oncologist, and she said that June 4th will be my three-year anniversary of being cancer-free. Amen. Let's go. Yeah. And that is a great, great thing. But I will tell you, to get there um, from where I was, was quite the journey. So my life turned around and um, everything stopped. And then, you know, I went for the tests and then more tests and and all the different things that you have to do biopsies so what, what, and all that. What happened? Let me ask you, because I, I remember talking to you on the phone and I remember you just saying, pray. And, and then I talked to Hunter one time and he's like, Hey, 
Um, it's it's not that bad. It's you know it's you know it, it's cancer, but it's not it's it's a light one. It's not that big of a deal. And then we didn't really talk for a long time, and I didn't want to bug you because I knew you were going through stuff. So I just kind of took a step back and just kind of prayed from a distance. But then I feel like it the news got worse or something, right? Wasn't it not big in the beginning and then it got worse? Like what happened? So what happens, Matt, is um, when you uh, go in for the mammograms and the diagnostic mammograms and the biopsies and all that, they saw something that's called DCIS, which is basically, um, here's how I can explain it to everybody. You know how when you go to the dermatologist and maybe you have a couple freckles on your hand or on your chest and the dermatologist says, you know what, you better watch those little freckles. They're getting a little bit big. They're getting a little dark. The more you get in the sun they could turn into cancer. So let me uh, cut them off. Let's just do little, you know, and you go in and you get those little things taken off. Have you ever had that or Terry or anybody, you know? Sure. Yep. Yeah. So what it was, was um, my right breast had some sprinkling of, um, of like pre cancer. And so they thought what would be good is to go in and remove the breast, but everything would be fine. No chemo, no radiation, everything's fine, but it would definitely lead to breast cancer if left untreated. So, um, I, so, you know, it wasn't that bad. It was bad, but it was stage zero. I had stage zero. Um, so we, we, after a lot of prayer and talking to my doctor and just how sprinkling it was, she said, you know, this kind of pre-cancer usually goes to the ne- the other breast as well. So you might want to think about having both breasts removed. Jeez. Oh, and for yeah. some, for someone like you, that is in, in a, in a good way, not a vain way that is beauty is focuses on beauty to be a woman. And someone tell you, you have to take your womanhood out. What is that like? Oh my gosh. You're just Matt. I can't even tell you, you know, it just, every, you know, I work on camera, I do beauty. I, you know, am at an age where you're not all that viable anymore. And then on top of that, you're told that you have cancer. I mean, it just, Mm. honestly, it was just one hit after another and it just kept getting worse. So then it gets even worse from there. Um, I decide with a lot of prayer and my husband and my son, that I'm going to get both breasts removed. So we wow. set the surgery for June 4th and um, 2018. And uh, I go in and I have an all female team. So my uh, breast surgeon, my reconstructive surgeon and my oncologist, all females were all in this. And they're like, look, you're healthy. You're active. You're going to sail through this. We're going to get this. We're going to take care of this. And then you're going to come out of it and you're going to be just fine. And they were planning their lunch after my, um, my surgery. It was like a six hour surgery, four hour surgery. So everybody was happy. Everything's going great. So we go into surgery, Matt, I'm praying and praying and they're, um, doing the surgery and they're taking, forgive me for being so graphic, but they're taking the last scoop of breast tissue from my right breast. And, um, I had dense breasts and they're there and they're like, we're almost done. And then they see against my chest wall under all you of the you're not, skin. You're not awake, right? What, darling? You're, you're under. You're not awake. I'm not awake. I'm completely under. Okay. But they see that under all of the breast tissue, under all the skin, under all the muscle, 
against my chest wall, directly across from my heart, they find three tumors that are 1.5 centimeters, three tumors hidden against my, almost against my chest wall. So probably what would have happened, Matt, is a woman who has never smoked in her life would end up having lung cancer that would have gone into my lungs and then probably every other organ in my body. And I would have, and it was stage three, you don't get any worse than stage four. And no one knew I had it. None of the MRIs, none of the None of the, all the things that I had done, nothing showed it because it was so far under all of these, um, you know, breast tissue and so on. So it was in, in one way, it was a miracle that they found it in another way. I took it as a very interesting metaphor, Matt, that, you know, what is under all the beauty, the lipstick, the makeup, the layers that I keep putting on, um, the happy face, the dog and pony show, all of that, all those layers and way underneath are three tumors that are killing me, literally killing me. And I didn't know they were there and I kept hiding them. They were hidden. And it made me really take stock of my life. What's really important? What am I hiding? What do I need to clean up in my life? What do you maybe need to clean up in your life? What's under all of the fluff that's there. And, um, that changed the course because then when I came out of surgery and my surgeon came to Jerry and I and said, well, it wasn't stage zero. You do need chemo. You do need radiation. And we found three tumors and you have a cancer that has a high reoccurrence rate, you know, devastating would be an understatement. Say that again devastating would be an understatement. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, um, you know, and also, you know, we started out this conversation with my wonderful faith in God. And I will tell you, I was like, really, what did I ever do? You know, I lived this life that was pleasing to you. I tried to do my best. Have I sinned? Yes. Have I stumbled? Yes. But I mean, you know, look at the people out there that are doing horrible things to children and so many other things. And this is what I get. This is my, and I really had some, forgive the pun, come to Jesus moments with the Lord, like what is going on here? And, um, you know, there were, there were dark, dark days, Matt, um, behind me is a a little shelf and on it is filled with journals that are lined up that are just like, you know, crying out to God, um, crying, yelling at God. Um, why me? What, what did I do? Um, this isn't fair. What are you doing? Uh, you know, I have a 21 year old son. I've got a husband who's older and I prayed for him forever. And now you're going to take me away, you know, uh, a lot, a lot of pretty dark times. What did God say back to you? So I tell this story all the time, but I'm going to tell you again. Um, So on my darkest day, the day that I really did feel that the Lord wasn't there, that there was nobody there. um, Then I went out into our backyard and we have kind of a ravine back there and Um, I went out there and it's really, really quiet. It's very green, even though we're in the center of, um, of LA and 
I was crying to God and I was saying, you know, I need to get a sign from you that you're going to get me through this. And um, I, I need it to be my way though. I've got to have a butterfly come down. There's got to be a leaf. There's got to be a mighty wind. There's got, you know, there's got to be something, Matt, that you and I have read in the scriptures and you have got to send me a sign. And I stood out there, Matt, for maybe half an hour. It was a little cold. It was out in the back. It was, you know, I was sick. I had been on eight rounds of chemo. I could barely stand up. I had lost 23 pounds and there was nothing. I mean, nothing. He didn't send a leaf. There wasn't a fly. There was nothing there. And I really came to the point where I said, you know what? Everybody was right about you. You really don't exist. And I have been such a fool believing God's there. God's there. He's going to help me through. Oh, I love God. He's so there. And you really, in my worst time, when I literally am facing death, I don't know if I'm going to make it. You can't even send me a leaf. Are you kidding me? This is like the worst thing ever. This is worse than cancer. Finding out that I lived my whole life and it wasn't real. So I stood out there. I was going to try to outweigh God, but I couldn't because I wasn't strong enough. And my body was so weak. So I, I looked down, Matt, in utter despair, knowing that there was just nothing up there for me. And when I looked down, I was standing in the center. My feet were firmly in the center of this oak tree stump that I didn't realize I had walked onto. And the stump was there because as far as the path could take me of this building, um, the concrete could not, they couldn't go over it or remove it because the roots right. were too deep and there were rocks around it and the rocks had pushed away from it because the oak tree was so strong and the roots were so deep. So the concrete and the rocks and the wood and the trees, everything had to move around this stump that I was standing with my feet completely in the center of. And I know this sounds really ooga booga and, you know, all this weird stuff, but I'm not that way. I'm not granola and I'm right. not weird on that, but I'm standing on there. When I looked down, there was a jolt that came up through my body wow. and I really felt like someone said to me, you are standing on solid ground and I've been holding you this whole time and I will continue to hold you and I will carry you and you will not falter and you are not on shaky ground and you are on the rock. And I go down that stump every single day, Matt, that stump is out there. And I go down and I stand on that stump and I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the Lord is holding me in the center of his hand. And on June 4th, when it's three years that I'm cancer free, I will be down there at that stump. And Amen. it isn't the butterflies that come and it isn't all the sparkles that... Kim Douglas is used to on camera. It's that rotted out, solid, strong, ugly stump that I stand on now. Wow. I freaking love you so much. <laughs> You're so awesome. You are too much. Oh Thanks for letting me share that. That was, that's it. That's, I mean, dude, where else you go from there, Eli? That's, 
That's real deal right there. I I do want to ask, and I'm not I'm not trying to flatter you. I really really mean this because I know that there's women watching right now, and they want to know how. I watched my mom go through chemo, and it was it was terrible. So I know that you had those terrible moments, but and I really mean this again. I'm not trying to flatter you or, or stroke it at all. You did beauty things throughout chemo that made you look fantastic, like really, really fantastic. Your hair, your skin. I always ask you, you wore this like ice. You had a wig, but you also, during chemo, you wore like this ice bag helmet thing to help you keep your hair. Like, what did you do? How did you look so good through going through hell? Wow, that's the truth. It was hell, Matt. And you are right. And it's really weird. But when I look back at those, and even our producer, Tracy Berna, would say to me after we got done with cam- with the shoot that day, you know, you look beautiful. And she doesn't do that. She doesn't have to tell me, you know, she would just say like, your skin is glowing or you just have a a radiance about you. And I really do feel it was after the stump incident, when I knew I was going to be okay, when I knew that God was going to carry me through this. And I feel like that radiated through me, but I also took the steps, which you have to take in life. And that is, I did something called the cold cap and it's an ice hat that you have to wear. So while you're getting your insides burned and poison going into your body and your bloodstream through a port in your um in your chest, your body is on fire, but you have to freeze your hair follicles so that the chemo can't get up there and kill them and then you'll lose all your hair. So my was freezing and my body is burning. And I had to do that for um, six hours, six to eight hours for 18 weeks. And, um, you know, it, it kept a lot of my hair, but I did lose, you know, there would be, I would never turn to the camera, but there would be big patches of, um, of bald spots and, um, you know, and they would, they would fill it in when we were uh, at the studio with little hair pieces, or I would wear when it all kind of really did fall out. I wore a long wig that I had made, but, um, you know, Matt, I spent so much time in prayer and meditation and eating right and feeding my body and feeding my spirit and my soul. And I set up boundaries. I wouldn't let anyone in that I felt was coming in for the wrong reasons. You know, like some people would call and say, Hey, can we come over and be at your chemo? And, um, you know what, let's put it on Instagram. Can we do that? And I was like, you know what? Wow. No offense to them, but I knew it wasn't for the right reasons that I needed at that point, you know? So I set up great boundaries and I, um, I spent tons of time just with my family and eating oatmeal and green juices. And it wasn't any, you know, expensive or or woohoo Hollywood diet. I was pure oatmeal and green juices and fruit and vegetables. And that was it. And I swear it came out through my body. It really did. I mean, you you were feeding your body. Tell me, how important was it for you to feed your mind? Because, I mean, cancer, unfortunately, is such a household name now. And when that happens to you, you get a lot of opinions. You get a lot of people that talk to you. How important was it for you to, like, nope, I'm not letting that in my mind. I'm going to focus on the rock. Like you said, concentrate on the Word of God. Did you have to get bold with some people? Did you have to kick some things out of your life? Did you just focus? What did you do? 
Yes, I did. I had to get bold with some people. And Matt, it's another, there's another gift about cancer. And with cancer, you find um, a lot of women in the, the world of breast cancer say you find your casserole friends. And what that means is, um, and I bet in Tennessee, there's a lot of these, they're the women that will come over and make a casserole for your family and you for dinner because they know you can't have the strength to cook. But not only will they make the casserole, they'll leave it at the door so you don't have to see them because they know how you feel. And then they'll come back the next morning with the dirty dish to take it away so you don't even have to wash it. And that's your casserole friends. Those are the ones that are there not to be seen, not to be on, not for the photo op, but they're there to feed you in more ways than a casserole. And I found those people and I've kept them very, very close. And the sad thing is though, Matt, prior to cancer, the ones that I thought were my casserole friends, they were nowhere to be found. And the ones that I didn't think we're there at the door knocking three, four times a week. That's fantastic. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it's, it's crazy that people would actually try to, and they might not intentionally do it, but like the, the whole Instagram thing just to be around just cause you know, when you're, when you're in the limelight, like you are, and that does happen to you. I mean, that is a story. It is. People want to be around the story and, Oh, I'm here. I'm look at me. I'm here. Like, it's just sad. And I know everyone else experiences that in, in different ways. And that's why you, it's so important to know who you are and to be grounded, like you said. And I'm sad that this is almost over. We're out of time. I, I do want to say this um, because you're open about it. So I feel comfortable saying this is you look 35 years old, you're a cancer survivor. You look amazing and you're 61 years old and you talk about it with people. Like I'm, I know that people look at it right now. I'm like, she's not 61. Oh, what yeah. is going oh. Like, how can people follow you and get your tips? Because everyone says they're an expert today. Oh, I'm a crypto <laughs> expert and I'm a makeup expert. It's like, no, this is actually an expert that's been in the game for the last 30 plus years. She's been to the top and she's also been through some things and come out on the other side and still looks like this. Oh, this is the man. real, Stop, real on. beauty expert. Um, you are. How can they follow you? What can they do? I am 61 and I'm so proud of it. I think it's so important that women share with other women their real ages because you know what? It keeps getting better. And for men too, Matt, you've never looked better. You look strong and healthy and handsome and gorgeous. And I'm just so proud of you and all that you're doing. There he is, Macho Man. Um, you are so funny. And you guys can follow me at um, Instagram, which is Kim with a Y, K-Y-M Douglas. And also jump on over to my website, which is Kim, K-Y-M Douglas.com. And I have a lot, I actually show the stump, Matt. The stump is there, my stump. Yes. Do sometimes every morning with my coffee or with my Bible or just some mornings just to stand there. Um, and my, the, my son Hunter that uh, Matt talked about and Jerry, all of our stuff is over there. I have a blog and I'm writing a book that is going to tell an even more in-depth story about my time at the stump and what it's done for me and all the little beauty secrets that I have too that, you know, I want to share with you. 
I love it. And she has not had a title for her book yet. I'm going to make a suggestion, and you should message Kim what oh, her your suggestion please. should be. Here's my suggestion. You ready? Yep. Beneath the Beauty. Take it. Ooh. Sit on it. I like hold, that. Hold on to it. Use it. You don't got to pay me. I'm your friend. Wow. You guys, you guys know how much he's going to charge me for that. This will go on for life. He'll be like, didn't get a check this month, Kim. Matt, that was a good one. I love you. You can uh, seriously follow her. The best thing about Kim is she's real. She'll talk back to you. It's KimDouglas.com. K-Y-M-D-O-U-G-L-A-S.com. And of course, you can follow her on Instagram. K-Y-M-D-O-U-G-L-A-S, right? Yep. D-O-U-G-L-A-S. Matt Rogers, I adore you. You are the American Idol. You have level (laughs) up. This is such a great podcast. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for sharing your wonderful exuberance, your personality, your joy. You're just, you're the best, Matt. And thank you for you're having the best. Me. Leave everybody with one thought, one saying, one quote to help people out there who are going through something. Kim Douglas, last words, what are they? You know, Matt, it's kind of something that you said that really struck with me where you said today, you know, whether it's the boundaries with other people or whether it's about Hunter and him being so comfortable in his skin, the one thing that I would leave with you guys is through all the tragedy and through all the struggle that a lot of us are in right now, you know, it's so important to what Matt said earlier, just get so centered in who you are know exactly what you want out of life. What is it that you really want? What's the feeling that you want to have in your life? And then go after that. Don't let anything else get in the way because it's from the Lord. Amen. It's from the Lord. There you have it. Kim Douglas, I love you so much. Thank you for coming on Level Up. You're my favorite person. And thank you all for joining us. Eli, did you love it? Oh, man. It was fantastic. Isn't she fantastic? Oh, man. You guys are the best. You make it so easy. I mean, seriously. But you know what I loved, Matt and Eli, is we had some funny stuff and not sexy, but, you know, know, young and restless and bedroom. It's always sexy. And then uh, we went, you know, oh, my God, the stump and the Lord. And then we went back up. And that, I mean, it it had a lot of hills and downs. It wasn't like one, here I am and I'm so cool. Let's talk about beauty and pink lipstick. It was your story, and as always, it was real because you are real. Oh, man. I love you so much, Kim love Douglas. You, honey. Give the and family my all. love. Thank you, Eli. Absolutely. Thank you all for watching, and please subscribe, like, share, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and, of course, YouTube. Subscribe, like, share, another level, uh, another level. Wait, wait, what did I just say? Hard to say. Level. Another episode of Level Up just got dropped on you. God bless. We'll